Welcome to our Jackson home, Front Porch Conversations. Without the Front Porch, I'm Jim, here on the board, and also with me is my partner in Mike, Kevin Adelsberger. How are you doing, Kev? Jim, it is a beautiful day in Jackson, Tennessee, and so it's always good to be uh, hosting this podcast with you. Yes, it's very beautiful. As uh, I'm from Scotland, so this weather is very, very nice to me. Nice overcast gray and possibility. What was the temperature? What were they predicting? So... This will come out after this weekend's over, so I hope everybody had a chance to enjoy it. But oh, it's yes. going to be in the 70s this weekend, and it's the middle of September, so that's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Can you mount, imagine the amount of rain it's going to have to take drop the temps that much? Oh, yeah. The clouds are, uh, from our viewpoint at the Co., the, the clouds are rolling in right now. Well, Jim, this morning we have a, a very special guest. Uh, we have the president and CEO of the Jackson Chamber of Commerce, Kyle Spurgeon. Good morning, Kyle. Thanks Good for joining morning. us. Great to be a special uh, guest. Well, uh, yes, absolutely. So you've been at the co a little bit this morning, already working. Uh, so you started at seven thirty this morning, and you were got you guys were talking with um, who who were y'all? We have a group in, and it, the initials uh, acronym is SCAG, which really doesn't sound great. No, that sounds unfortunate. Actually, consultants. Uh, it's, a, it's a group of site consultants okay. from around the country. And they're actually doing a SWOT analysis of Jackson and our surrounding community, okay. telling us what our strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities are across the board. And they have been here for three days now. And this morning, we're wrapping up uh, those sessions. And I'll tell you, that group has been very good at poking holes in a lot of the things that we think we do very well, mm-hmm. which is what you want a group like that to Absolutely. do. These guys and women are folks that, if you're looking to relocate your company, mm-hmm. These are the folks you hire. Now, gotcha. uh, for the people that don't know, what what does the term SWOT stand for? So strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis. All right. So we have a SWAT team. We do <laughs> kind have a SWAT of, yeah. Team. Uh, well, that's see, that's just part of what the chamber does is helps coordinate relationships with folks like the uh, SCAG group. And we're going to talk more about what the chamber does and and what it's going to be doing in the coming years with Kyle here in a minute. But we'd love to hear more. I would love to hear more about who Kyle Spurgeon is. Wow. Okay. Great. Because you're Fun leading question. our you're leading our chamber, <laughs> and you know uh, who this guy is. and we would love to know who this guy is. So so Kyle, tell me about yourself. Yeah, I'll do uh, very quick. And I mentioned a few minutes before we came on the air. I had the opportunity to work in radio where mm-hmm. I grew up. I grew up in Paris, Tennessee, okay. just north of here, sixty miles, and uh, graduated from Henry County High School and moved Patriots. to Jackson. Exactly, they're pretty good at football here. They can play football in Henry County. Yes, and so I've I moved here uh, about 23 years ago and have lived in Jackson ever since. I've been in the chamber and economic development business in or around it for the last 25 years, really. I okay. uh, worked for the Paris Chamber, the Humboldt Chamber, the state of Tennessee, uh, spent eight years at Jackson Energy Authority, and uh, also worked on the consultant side mm-hmm. back uh, right after 2000. I was a partner at Younger Associates here okay. uh, doing economic development, marketing work, and consulting. 
and uh, have three kids. Uh, Blake is a graduate of UT Knoxville, just graduated okay. this past May. Well, congratulations. He is now uh, managing the Young Life program at uh, Martin and Union City. Oh, okay. And uh, we're going around the SEC. My daughter Shelby is a freshman at Mississippi State. Very popular and school here in Jackson. It's amazing. Just looking at her Facebook post and knowing the number of her friends that mm-hmm. went to Mississippi State this year, it, it's crazy. Yeah. How there's, many of them are down we, for some reason, we are funneling children outside of Tennessee to Mississippi. But, but yes, I, that's I don't know interesting. If it's cowbells or not, but it's something <laughs> that's uh, pulled them down there. And my youngest son, Matt, is uh, he'll be 15 in December, and he is a freshman at Trinity. Okay, great. Um, and then, uh, and so you did a lot of things. You've done a lot of things in economic development. What about education? Where did you go to school? I went to school at Murray State, Murray, okay. Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, graduated there in 1987 with a degree in public relations and marketing. Awesome, awesome. A degree I wish I had had, Jim. I, what was that? A degree I wish I'd had. I, uh, I'm doing marketing and PR, but I studied youth ministry at Union, so... Uh, it's nice but you do you, marketing well. Well, thank you. You don't thank need a degree. Um, uh, Murray State's my part of the world. I'm from Southern Illinois, so okay. uh, it's near there. Right. Um, well, tell us about your family. Or you've told us about your family. What about some of the hobbies? Do you, uh, of course, you, you pull for the Henry County Pen- Patriots, but um, are you a racers? Do you keep up with the racers a lot, or do you have uh, other teams that you pledge allegiance yeah. to? Uh, Racers basketball. I mean, obviously, Murray yeah. State's uh, had a great basketball Absolutely. program in the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. But what I have done uh, with Blake being at Knoxville, mm-hmm. uh, always was a Vol fan, but that's even escalated. Yeah. But now, with Shelby being at Mississippi State, I'm going, been on campus several times, mm-hmm. but never been to a game at Mississippi State. So okay. tomorrow night, which will be passed by the time this airs, we're mm-hmm. going to the Mississippi State LSU game. Ooh. And uh, so it's our biggest hobby as a family is probably going to sporting events. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my kids played uh, travel baseball or softball growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're huge St. Louis Cardinal fans. Uh, been to the last World Series there. I went to the All-Star game when it was there and always wow. go up one or two times a year. So that that's our big deal is, uh, I guess, traveling around sporting events. Well, that, he said he was from Paris. How, how long did you live in Paris before you moved to Jackson? Let's see. I was 23, so 23 years. Did you ever visit the Hollow Rock in Hollow Rock? It's supposed to be a meteor. Did you hear about that? That is in, actually in Carroll County, which yeah. is south, uh, but I know where Hollow Rock is, Hollow Rock, Brewston, and uh, I did not know the legend that it was a meteor, but I know exactly where that is. I was engaged in Paris because... Uh, because I couldn't afford to go to the real Paris, so I took. I took There's her, an Eiffel Tower there. Well, yeah, we got engaged they under put, the Eiffel they put Tower. Barbed wire around. That was uh, that was where Renee and I got engaged, and uh, obviously we, it worked. It worked, she said yes. and she did. And uh, we had called ahead and asked for. I'd called ahead and asked for permission to be underneath the Eiffel Tower. Well, apparently the parks guy did not tell the police because. Uh, a police officer did not take kindly to the fact that we were underneath the Eiffel Tower. Well, kids would play and climb on that thing. So now if you go there, folks, it's they immense. have barbed wire surrounding that tower so no one can even get near it. But it's still there. I think you that can, was actually a gift from Christian Brothers University 20 years ago. Oh. It was built by an engineering class or something, and they gave mm-hmm. that to the city of Paris. Now, if you want to go to Paris, Texas, I've been there too. They have an exact... They have a half-scale replica, and it's got a big fiberglass cowboy hat on the top of it. 
That is no lie. <laughs> That's a. Uh, I feel like you take a point in classiness on a model of the Eiffel Tower if you That'd have a like cowboy Paris hat on. Putting a fish yeah. on the top of that well, and I'm sure it's been discussed. But um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so well, we are with uh, Kyle Spurgeon, president of the chamber, and we're going to head into our first break, and we'll come back and talk about what the chamber does and uh, find out more about that. Because for some people, it's kind of an ambiguous entity in town, and so this will be a great chance to learn more about it. And uh, sitting between the Mississippi and Tennessee rivers, this is our Jackson home. We'll be right back. We're back to our Jackson home. We're here with our guest Kyle Spurgeon from the Chamber of Commerce and we're we in the earlier segment we learned just who Kyle Spurgeon is. It's not a sturgeon, it's a Spurgeon, and he's a great guy, and we have more about Mr. Spurgeon and his business with the Chamber in this segment. Yeah, so uh, one of the things I alluded to on our way into the first break was that the, the Chamber can kind of seem like an ambiguous entity to those uh, in town, especially if you're not a business owner or um, in some sort of leadership position at a business, and so... There's a lot of people listening to this who might not really have a clear idea of what the chamber does. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this will be a burden for you to have to do, but Kyle, can you tell us about what the chamber does and 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 we'll, we'll and tell as much as you want and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more during the segment, but what does the chamber do? Obviously a great question and it's one that a lot of times I'm hesitant to answer because I'll, inver- I'll leave something out because this chamber does so much. Our chairman, Jim Campbell, uh, for the past couple of years has been saying something that I think is exactly true, is that this chamber is really at the seat for every major discussion in this community. And with the advent of the Jackson Regional Partnership, we're starting to be at the table for many of the discussions that take place regionally. But to back up, I'll tell you a little bit about the, our organization. We have 1,350 members. And those are people, uh, businesses that may range from a sole proprietorship all the way up to West Tennessee Healthcare that uh, employs 5,500 people. When we do new member orientation, uh, I break it down into two things. People ask, uh, you know, why should I join the chamber? And two of the biggest reasons are, uh, number one, and in no particular order, it just really depends on uh, what you're looking for. But you may join simply for the networking opportunities, whether that be through going to a business at 212, a women in business event, Jackson Young Professionals, a business after hours event, or any of the other events that we have so you can connect with other business owners in Jackson. It may be that you join because, you know what, I'd really like to go through the Leadership Jackson program which uh, we just announced the class for that. Kevin, I know you're I in. I am, and, and I'm uh, super excited about it. Thank you. And uh, I know that you just uh, had the orientation meeting and the Get Acquainted uh, session with that. That may be another reason someone joins mm-hmm. the chamber. A lot of folks belong to the chamber simply because they like what we do and respect what we do in terms of economic development. Mm-hmm. This chamber does a lot, uh, but I will tell you, if I wake up in the morning and you've got a choice of things to do, but there is a prospect visiting Jackson or there's an existing industry project, that's quickly number one on Mm. my agenda to handle that. So our uh, number one job is to create jobs in Jackson and Madison County. Okay. And when you're creating jobs on the manufacturing side, that bleeds over into every other section of the economy. 
I get asked two questions all the time. First of all, who who's coming to Jackson next? And mm-hmm. when people say that, they're either asking about a manufacturer or the question we get asked a lot, what new restaurants are coming? <laughs> Which is something we can't answer. We don't do retail development. Okay. We've got a great developer base in Jackson. We don't own property uh, mm-hmm. that we can sell on the retail side. So many times, uh, if there's retail development going on, we might know simply because we've had conversations with developers. But yeah. we are typically, I'll say 95% of the time, because there have been instances, we're typically never involved on that retail side of that. So what size of business, like what's the size of business then the chamber starts targeting? We, uh, when a company, uh, a manufacturing company is looking at relocating mm-hmm. somewhere, we typically never get involved if they're looking for something smaller than 10,000 square feet. Most of the operations that we are going to be involved in are looking from anything from 50,000 square foot facilities to either buy, lease, or construct, all the way up to the new Kellogg's Distribution Center out the airport, which is 1.1 million square feet. Wow. it's a lot of square feet, Jim. Think about that. So that what there's 50-something thousand feet in an acre, so it's almost 20 acres under roof. Oh, my goodness. Out there. And if you, I'll tell people, if you haven't seen that, uh, go out to McKellar Sipes Airport and then look over to the right and go through that industrial it, park. Yeah, they, uh, I drive, uh, I had some, I had an event that I videoed at uh, the Barnett Snyder Farms recently, mm-hmm. and so I had to drive past it several times, and it's just, the size of those buildings is just breathtaking. You spend donuts in them. Yes, you could. You know, you that, that could be a, a charity event before <laughs> they start be. putting their equipment indoor, in. With the indoor indoor in derby, there. yes. Indoor derby before they put their equipment in. Yeah. Just throwing that out there for you. Yeah, just, I just let um, my redneck flag fly there for a minute. <laughs> you know, and just to quickly expand on a lot, of that, you're going to see the chamber involved in everything, obviously from economic development, mm-hmm. wellness, helping small business. You're going to see us more and more at the table with tourism in the, in the next coming years because mm-hmm. tour, that, that's pure money coming into the community. Mm-hmm. We do okay now, but it's no secret that our tourism efforts in this community are underfunded. Mm. And we have got to do better because we, you know, we're sitting here now and you look up and down Interstate 40, oh, yeah. you got 50,000 cars a day. We need to get more of those folks pulling off Interstate 40, not only buying a meal, but having reasons to spend the night here. Mm, absolutely. Now, what would you like to see? I mean, you personally, because we've got Casey Jones, we've got some, we got some sports options. Uh, we've got a couple of movie theaters here and there. But what would you personally like to see? Tourism-wise, a brand new multi-purpose arena, no doubt. Uh, this community mm-hmm. uh, needs that. Not sure what size yet. We need to do a feasibility study to determine mm-hmm. what would work right. here. But uh, Omen Arena is a good facility. Mm-hmm. It has served its use. You can no longer have concerts there, uh, big name concerts, because you can't hang the speakers from the ceiling. Right. But there's things, you know, a lot of people say, well, tear Omen down. That, that's that's a wrong idea. That's an asset for the community. We have to determine what its potential is moving forward. That's mm-hmm. a fabulous idea because you could bring in sports teams. You could bring in uh, concerts. And uh, like, I'm not sure of the name of it, but in Nashville, they have this one building where they could just put ice down there and have a hockey game the very next weekend they can put turf down there and have a football Mm -hmm. game and then the week after that put up a big stage and there's a rock concert in the same building Mm yeah we're getting beat by tupelo mississippi which is half our size with an arena there and outside of the sporting events and different things that they do in the last five to six years elton john has been there 
the Eagles. Wow. They pick up concerts Those like that. Those are big that. concerts. And we couldn't, uh, an arena in Jackson would not survive if it was going to do country music concerts or any other kind of concert twice a month. That, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen here. But it's got to be a multi-purpose arena where you can play AAU basketball, indoor soccer, where you can have different community events. Mm-hmm. That is something that if we're able to pull that off in the next three to five years, mm-hmm. will dramatically increase the level of tourism here. Absolutely. That would be neat. Um, so what are some, you talk about bringing industries, and you, you mentioned Pacific, I think, and Kellogg's. Tell me about some of the recent successes the Chamber and Economic Development have had in our area. Yeah, let's talk about those two are new facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pacific is our seventh Japanese company that located here. A lot of folks have no clue that Jackson has really become a destination for Japanese automotive suppliers. And why is that? It's because we were successful recruiting one back 30 years ago. And who was that? I think that was Puro Denso. Okay. would have been the first one, which is now TBDN. Mm-hmm. And I call this kind of like the McDonald's. You know, when McDonald's goes somewhere, what happens next? There's Burger King. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. Wendy's. Japanese companies like to locate around each other because of that commonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of Japanese nationals that will move to work in those facilities. And plus, uh, Japanese companies, while they may compete, they're very respectful of each other. Mm -hmm. So if they know that this company here has picked Jackson, that means something to them that we're a good place to Mm -hmm. do business. And I think one of the – but the biggest reason that we're successful, I believe, with Japanese companies is that our ability to work as a team and build relationships Mm -hmm. with those Mm -hmm. companies. And uh, Japanese folks, um, when you do business with them, they're very respectful and some folks would say they're hard to get to know cultural-wise. After two or three meetings, once you prove uh, that you're someone that can be trusted and are going to do what you say, I see Japanese folks a lot like we are here in the South. They're very personable mm-hmm. and will build very deep relationships. Jackson's been able to do that, so that's why we've mm-hmm. been successful. That's and great. I suppose on some level, also a factor would be cost of doing business because we're not as huge as Memphis or Nashville. Mm-hmm. And we're not as tiny as, say, a little bitty town. We've got the right blend of uh, country and city here right now. So I suppose the cost of doing business is less here than it would be in a major populated area. You sound like a great chamber guy. So that, that's exactly right, <laughs> particularly on the automotive side. Mm-hmm. If I could draw a map up for you and show you Jackson's proximity. If you kind of describe this, but just look at us right in the middle of West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then start imagining where the OEM plants, that's the assembly plants for Mm -hmm. Nissan in Jackson, Mississippi. You go up to Tupelo with Toyota, and then you go over to Chattanooga with Volkswagen and Mm -hmm. Nissan in Middle Tennessee. Jackson's really right in the middle of a lot of those plants. Mm -hmm. So the suppliers can locate here and push those parts out uh, in, in a circle. Plus, we've got a workforce here that's very well trained in the skills that automotive suppliers need. Like, don't call us Hub, Hub City for no reason, Jim. Yeah, we'll uh, call it the Hubcap City. Yeah, we might have to. That could be. That's another freebie for you. <laughs> so not only demolition derby in new giant buildings, but Hubcap City. Just Maybe some free. you do need to go back to marketing class. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, Kyle, while we talking about the chamber, what do you love about working at our chamber? You've worked at a couple other chambers. You've done some things like that. What is it, what is it about our chamber that makes it special? Easy. It, it's team. Whether it's the team inside the chamber, the mm-hmm. staff, we've got a staff that you could take anyone that works in our organization mm-hmm. and they could go run another chamber. We have a lot of talent in mm-hmm. place here. 
we all work together extremely well. So that's an internal team. Mm -hmm. The external team is the mayors, Jackson Energy Authority, West Tennessee Healthcare, anyone else that's on what we call Team Madison County. Mm -hmm. And that's really just our group working together to grow Jackson, whether it's with existing industry or recruiting new industry. We have a group, and I see this in the community, of people that want to work together and no one cares who gets credit for it. Mm. So think about this next time you see an announcement. You won't see people stumbling over each other trying to announce it first. It's all done together. So this is a great place to work because everyone works together as a team. Well, that is a great team makes all the difference in the world. And so we're going to talk about what's next for Jackson and the Chamber uh, after this break. Jim? All right. Well, you've been listening to our Jackson home, Front Porch Conversations Without the Front Porch, right between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers and hopefully a mecca for Japanese auto parts sales. Coming up next, we'll talk some more with Kyle Spurgeon and uh, about the chamber and what the chamber has for us in the future and how we can help. Stay with us. back from break we are here with Kyle Spurgeon president and CEO of the Jackson Chamber and in this segment we're going to kind of talk about the future of the Jacks of Jackson and the Chamber and so uh, so Kyle I know one of the things that you guys are working on right now is the capital campaign could you tell us what that is are you guys building a new building or you know when I hear the words capital campaign I think new library at Union so help help me understand what that is and and explain it for me and our listeners sure Back, and it was probably the late 80s, Jackson, the Jackson Chamber started the first of what we do every five years now, a capital campaign. Mm-hmm. Those original campaigns were called All Aboard Jackson 1, then All Aboard Jackson 2. Now we are finishing up Forward Jackson. The next campaign, which we're out uh, soliciting investments for now, is Forward Jackson 2.0. Mm-hmm. So to tell you about how those come about, what we do is we'll have a strategic planning session, and with those planning sessions, we bring in 80 to 90 community leaders, spend a day and a half, and identify four to six key initiatives that the chamber should work on over the next five years. Mm-hmm. The capital campaign then funds that. Okay. So to back that up even further and then to talk about the chamber's budget, our budget is over $1.2 million per year. Mm-hmm. We have 1,350 members. Those membership dues pay about $520,000, $530,000 of that $1.2 million budget, so okay. just under half. Yeah. If it weren't for the capital campaigns, what you would have is a chamber that would really be about half the size and doing mm-hmm. half the things that we do. Okay. This chamber functions like a chamber in a town the size of a Chattanooga or Knoxville because okay. of the capital campaigns. Okay. Forward Jackson, we raised $3.8 million off of a goal of $3.5 million wow. with 82 investors. Forward Jackson 2.0, our goal is $4.5 million. And as of this morning, with just 60 investors, we're at $4.4 million. Hey-o. And we're going to blow past yeah. the 4.5. And really, the reason we're being successful is because the investors that we talk to they see the return on invest. There are a lot of great nonprofits in this community, and mm-hmm. we encourage folks to support them, whether it's United Way, RIFA, the Star Center, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
those are investments in nonprofits. Absolutely. What we're asking folks to do is invest in job creation, education, and community building. When they do that, we show a return on investment. Okay. So, so, so help me understand. What are some of the this? We just finished. What was it called? Forward Jackson One. Right. Um, three point eight million dollars. That's a lot of money, Jim. I don't know about you, but that's more money than I've ever had. At once. At right. Yeah. Now, at once. In total. Uh, <laughs> Several that time back in the seventies, but we won't get into that. Uh, wasn't here. Um, but but uh, uh. so so Kyle, what are some of the tangible things that you guys do? Obviously, there's some staff that are paid for mm-hmm. out of that, but like, what are some like what are some of the tangible things that were done with that 3.8 so we can help help understand like what were some of the initiatives that were accomplished sure. through that? Yeah, one of the things, and you mentioned capital campaigns, and you think about a new library mm-hmm. or a new building. Our building has been paid for for 12 years. It's 12 years old. It was paid for out of a capital campaign two capital campaigns ago. Okay. So that, nice that is done. Thank you. And it, it, we're debt-free there, and so we're a very fiscally sound chamber. Mm-hmm. This capital campaign and the last capital campaign is to build nothing other than the community. So the initiatives that you have seen us fund in wellness, uh, public safety, mm-hmm. those came out of that. The uh, efforts in economic development, and a lot of people don't understand how much money it takes to recruit industry gotcha. here. When we travel to Chicago and meet with the CEO of a company that has facilities here in Jackson just to say thank you, mm-hmm. those things are funded out of okay. Forward Jackson. When we go to Japan in a couple of months, that'll be funded out of Forward Jackson. Uh, when we're working with small businesses to create new programs, a lot of that's funded out of Forward Jackson. Gotcha. The education initiatives under Forward Jackson where we helped the school board fund a superintendent search and then paid $100,000 for a strategic plan. That came from the chamber. Okay, so the, the plan that they're working on right now, yes. something very tangible, and we're, we have on the works to have Dr. Ruffin and one of the consultants on the podcast in the future to talk about that plan, something that the chamber did. Well, the strategic plan that led to oh, the Vision that led 2020 to the, okay. that led to that. So we, put, we funded the original plan. Okay which uh, one of the stories I tell is that really six years ago, people would look at this chamber and say, you guys are not involved in public education Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Then just four years ago, so after we were involved for two years, we had people start telling us, you need to back up. (laughs) And and so we took that as a compliment. Now what you see this chamber doing is we are lockstep with the school board. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to lead. Uh, We're right there. They're leading and we're their partner. Uh, there was a time five to six years ago where our public education system needed some help in getting eyes open to what we could be doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that ship, it's a huge ship that takes a long time to turn, but yeah. it's starting to turn. Absolutely. Okay. So that that helps me understand that. What are some things you see in the future coming our way um, that uh, that we might not expect or or just in general, what do you see? See, uh, back to the arena. That's something mm-hmm. that we have got to look look at very mm-hmm. closely. We are going to be working very closely with the city on the one Jackson plan okay. uh, that mm-hmm. has been developed. There's areas around, you know, when you drive past Old Hickory Mall and look at that area, a lot of us, we go by there multiple times a week. We've just become complacent to how mm-hmm. that looks. An area around a mall should never look look like that. Mm-hmm. Our downtown area is now is becoming revitalized. Absolutely. We've got to continue doing that. 
up and down airways, that's got to be improved. There's pockets in South Jackson that we've got, got to continue to improve. East Jackson is the same way. I think uh, another thing that you're going to see is more of a push from this chamber to start drawing back more and more people from the region to shop here because we've lost some, quite mm-hmm. honestly, actually mm-hmm. a lot because when you tra- when I travel around the country and have a conversation with someone, they're, where are you from? If they know where Jackson is, the reaction's positive. Yeah. Because they've either had a friend that lived here or they passed through. However, in West Tennessee, our negative perceptions have greatly increased because of what some people view as a crime problem is out of control. Mm-hmm. If you look at what's happened over the last 18 months with crime in Jackson, it is a bang-up great report, mm-hmm. and we're looking so much better. I have friends that live in Henry County where I grew up. It's like, I'm not going to let my wife come down there and shop. And I look and ask them why. I say, well, because you guys are killing each other. And that that's not the truth. And those are things we have got to change perceptions within the region to let people know that this is still a great place to come shop, be entertained, obviously you know, visit the hospital and the medical facilities. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, it's a great place to live. Absolutely. Um one other thing that I wanted to have you help explain for me, uh, just because I don't always understand things very well, is I keep seeing the words megasite everywhere. What is the megasite? Is it like, is that where the Transformers are coming from? It's where the, star, it's where the Stargate is being built so Jacksonians can travel to other galaxies. Oh, yeah. I, but I... I feel like we're both wrong, Jim. So, yeah, so I'm absolutely now. wrong. <laughs> but a cool idea. Yeah. Megasite's 4,100 acres off of exit 42 as you're traveling toward Memphis on Interstate 4. Is that where the solar farm is? The solar farm is actually closer to Jackson, okay. maybe more along exit 44 or close to that okay. area. The solar farm is not part of the megasite, okay. which 99% of the people think that it is yeah. because it's right there and the projects started at about the same time mm-hmm. but they're totally different. Okay. However, when someone locates at the mega site, there is an opportunity for them to receive power from the solar farm. Mm-hmm. So most companies that you recruit now have green power initiatives mm-hmm. and so that that makes the mega site more attractive because it's there. But that site is 4,100 acres. It is geared toward and being developed for either a major advanced manufacturing facility or hopefully an automotive assembly plant. So when you say automotive assembly plant, you're talking like start to finish build a car type yes. thing. Not not like, you know, we love Pacific and TBDN and Bodine, but they all build parts. Mm-hmm. You're talking like we're going to hold the new you know, Jeep or something. I'm just making How one cool up. How cool would it be if Jackson became a location? Have you heard of those Elio cars, those three wheels that have really good mileage? If Jackson became a base for to build those Elio cars? Yeah. Because right now I think they're located in uh, Louisiana right now. Yeah, it might be someone to give a call. Third free idea for the <laughs> chamber today. But, uh, okay, so uh, an advanced manufacturer or an entire car line, okay, Right, and those are, again, the Nissan plant in Smyrna mm-hmm. or Toyota in uh, Tupelo. So, yes, it's an automotive assembly plant. Mm-hmm. And the hopes are, and, and that's what the state is marketing the site to, is those companies. 
it would be particularly attractive to a Japanese company because we've been successful in this part of the country recruiting Japanese companies. Especially at Toyota with a lot of parts being made here in Jackson. So Toyota, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, we've got a giant plot of land with your name on it on the highway. The challenge is what happens is that you're right. It would be a great site for Toyota, for Nissan, uh, for Hyundai or others. They those companies only build an automotive assembly plant maybe once every fifteen or twenty years. That's a big investment. So we've got to be in that window mm-hmm. uh, for them. And then Mexico has become a huge competitor. Mm-hmm. The last four to five assembly plants have announced in Mexico, mm-hmm. and that has pulled a lot of that investment away from the southern U.S. Gotcha. And and when we are, we've got a plot of land like that. It's it's got to be more than just a big plot of land because you can drive to the. You can drive to Texas, and there's land everywhere. What what would cause someone to say, "I want to build um, here"? Are there what what kind of different things are we doing to help them make that decision? Yeah. Um, when we recruit companies, if you look at the whole process, uh, I, I narrow it down to three things: location, workforce, and ability to close the deal. Mm-hmm. That site being located with immediate access to Interstate 40 means mm-hmm. it's in a great location. Absolutely. Workforce wise, the workforce within that region, uh, the drive time. 60-minute drive time mm-hmm. is uh, populations over 1 million people. While, while Jackson's excited about what may happen at the mega site, most of the employees are going to come from the Memphis side. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. closer to Memphis. The population is larger there. Where Jackson will benefit, we have seven Japanese automotive suppliers here now. Mm-hmm. We will be in a position to locate a whole bunch oh, more. Okay, And that's our goal and our uh, what we want to see happen is that mm-hmm. we need to be ready that when, if an OEM plant does locate, we need to locate more suppliers here in Jackson because they need to be close to that facility. That's that's vision there. Um, two questions left that I've got. One, um, and I think you're in a good position to be acutely aware of these reasons, but what is holding Jackson back in in particular in economic development? I think it's it's perception. Mm-hmm. We uh, when a lot of analysis are now done, most of them start by consultants doing a desktop analysis. We have when you pull up Jackson and you look at us, we have bad numbers related to crime. We have bad numbers related to public education. Mm-hmm. We get cut too many times because people simply look at the data. Mm-hmm. When companies visit and we can talk about what is contributed to that. And what we're doing to change it, mm-hmm. we're successful. Mm-hmm. And a quick story, Sharon Younger and I are actually talking about this yesterday, is that when Toys R Us, located here in Jackson 20 years ago, maybe almost 20 years ago, but they had never looked at Jackson because when they looked at the retail trade area, mm-hmm. they simply looked at Jackson. They didn't look at the regional piece of that. Yeah, That was when desktop analysis started with companies, the retailers. Now, Consultants, they don't have to fly around the country looking at sites and communities. You do it on your laptop or sitting in your office. We get cut because of numbers that make us look bad. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, this leads really well into my last question. How can we support your work at, Mm -hmm. at the chamber? One of the things I ask people to do is that when you see something positive occurring, Mm -hmm. push that story out. And with what you guys are doing with this podcast, I mean, this is a cousin of all social media. Mm-hmm. What really, um, say, chaps and infuriates me is when you see someone on Facebook or Twitter or 
Instagram, post a negative story because somebody else has about Jackson in mm-hmm. the region, that that kills us. Mm-hmm. And so what we ask folks to do, you know, is that push positive stories out mm-hmm. because there's enough negative that's going on. The media is going to cover that, and yeah. hopefully they won't overcover it. Mm-hmm. But we ask people, I mean, this right here is a great example of tell, telling a positive story. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do that because just about everyone's got a Facebook page. Yeah. And, you know, here's the president CEO of the chamber talking about a Facebook page mm-hmm. and how that can help us grow the community. People kill us every day because they're posting negative news. And when they're doing that, it hurts the tax base here. It, it hurts the number of tourists that visit here. It hurts the number of folks that stay in our hotels. Absolutely. It drives those numbers down. So talk positively about your community. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you don't think there's a positive place to live and you don't like it, move somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And really. Uh, because this is a great place to live. Absolutely. Because there's two kinds of people in the world. There are people that will point out something negative, and that's all they do. I've seen exactly what you're talking about at YouTube. They're going, like, how horrible. And it's usually only one factor. How horrible, how horrible, how horrible. When is Jackson going to change? You want to be the other guy, the someone that says, okay, yes, it's horrible, but what can we do? You just don't want to say negative, negative, negative. You want to offer a solution because mm-hmm. if you're not, that old that old chestnut, if you're not part of the solution, part you're of part of the problem. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, I think you're a Twitter user. Yes. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, how can they find you? It's at Spurgeon Kyle, I believe. Okay. That's right. Uh, so not Sturgeon. Not Kyle. Sturgeon. With a P. Yeah, with a P. Um, well, Kyle, it's been a pleasure having you with us this morning. Thank you. And uh, we are uh, bringing another episode to a close, Jim. Yes. Like a Spurgeon, we've recorded him for the very first time. All right. I had to put that in there. I had to put that in there. I'm a child Uh, of the 80s. I had to put that in there. All right. We need to end the show. All right. Uh, Thank you for joining us with Kyle Spurgeon. This is Jim Wilhelm and Kevin Adelsberger, located between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers. This is our Jackson home. Thanks for listening. Go do something positive. Today's show was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger and Jim Wilhelm. It was produced and edited by Jim Wilhelm. Bumper music supplied by Aaron Harden. This podcast was recorded at The Co. And for more information about The Co., visit www.attheco.com. And for more information on Our Jackson Home, or to suggest podcast guests or story ideas, visit us at www.ourjacksonhome.com. 